everybody. Welcome to this episode of Dad Bod History. I'm Jake. We got Eric and Jeff tonight. Uh, we're doing a little Dad Bod after dark. Uh, family vacations. After That's, dark. Uh, yeah. All right. And travels, uh, right? Just travels. And travels. Yeah. Yep. When you did right. your walk about Europe or, you know, Room Springa, whatever. Room whatever Springa? You want. Yeah. That's when the Amish go, go crazy. Everybody okay. knows this, Eric. No. There's like an episode of Bones about this. Come on. I, um, okay. So anyway, That's we're going right to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about family <laughs> vacations um, or travels or anything like that. Um, keeping it kind of light. But before we do that, uh, how was your weekend? How was your week, guys? So I shared a picture on Instagram. Probably took it on Thursday, maybe on Friday. I had a student. Uh, went over to his desk and I saw he had these pencils and they were whittled down to the eraser and at the edge of the eraser uh, kind of casing, I guess, immediately went to like the sharpened point of the pencil. He had three of these at his desk. So I took them, put them on an empty desk and took a picture of it and uh, basically said, this is how teachers feel at this moment, right before spring break. Um, you know, I saw oh. that picture. It never occurred to me that those were actual pencils from one of your students. Oh, that yeah. It was too perfect. Yeah, I thought you oh. stole it from Pinterest or something. No, I'll no. Be honest. My picture. Okay. So, but yeah, we last day was a Thursday, and then we had teacher and service on Friday, <clears throat> which was good. But it was a yesterday at home. Our kids were going absolutely bonkers. And so I said to my wife, is spring break over yet? But... <laughs> <laughs> so you can't win for losing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Eric, that's a really nice baseball tee you got there. What is that? Oh. Dad Bot's Really nice. Yeah. yeah. Looks good. Yeah. Feels nice. Nice and light. The, uh, the baseball tee. I'm excited. <laughs> so we saw that on Instagram. You posted it with, with your wife there, and, and it was a really great photo of you two. And my daughter sees it and she goes, uh, does uncle Eric have a girlfriend? I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's his girlfriend of 20 years or so. <laughs> so I anyway. saw that picture and maybe I'm partial, but I showed it to my wife and I said, you, you're pretty hot in this picture. Like I kind of want to use this as marketing, but then I kind of don't like, well, I mean, our faces aren't selling anything. So apparently yeah, not. not. Yeah. Apparently not. Um, so yeah, that's cool, man. How about you, Jeff? Hey, in my world, um, it's a girl. So Lillian is pregnant. She's, uh, yeah, had a gender reveal, um, in classic Lillian fashion. Those of you know her and you both do, you've taught her in school. Um, she is the worst secret keeper ever. So my birthday is November 24th. If she gets me a gift on the 11th, I'm getting that gift on the 11th. There's no way around that. There's 0% <laughs> chance it's making it. 
the next two weeks to the 24th. So, yeah. and yeah, they had it all set up where the, uh, the gender of the child was going to be emailed to her friend. Her friend would stuff the appropriate color inside of the black balloon and it would pop, but they sent the email to Lillian instead. She knew before the gender reveal, she told, uh, she told the father, she told me, all of her siblings, her mother, everybody. I'm watching this gender reveal on Facebook live and it was really anticlimactic. And the more I think about it, there's a, solid 85% chance that everybody at that party already knew the baby's gender. So, so it just became a zoom call. That's really all. It just ended up being a, just a party, not a gender reveal, exactly. just a party. That's okay. And she, she threw a great party. There's lots of pink and blue cookies and treats and beverages. And um, her, her Pinterest game is strong, irrespective of her inability to keep a secret. So the last gender reveal party I was at, Somebody was wearing a shirt. The dad was wearing a shirt. It said, I'm just here for the sex. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was pretty clever. Oh man. Whoa, Jeff. Hey. All right. Now it's a party. So, I, you know, it's funny. Texas. this makes me um, ask, what did you guys do when you found out the sex of your baby? Did you like, I think me and my mm-hmm. wife and I, I, I think we just posted it on Facebook. Yeah, it's a boy um, or it's a girl. And uh, that was it. Like we didn't do anything um, after we it, found out. It, it, we didn't do anything pre- special. It was pre-social media for me. So I called my parents and three other people and that was it. And I feel like people cared a lot less back then. Like, yeah. and don't get me wrong. I'm not grumpy old man in this thing. The gender reveal is pretty cool. I've seen some cool ones. I, in hindsight, I do wish I hadn't known what Lillian was going to have. So it, it would have been a lot more exciting, but yeah, but yeah, it, it wasn't that long ago. It was just like, Oh boy, that's cool. All right. Didn't See, one I'm, of those parties start the California wildfires a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I'm being, yeah. yeah like, yeah, they, it did. Uh, it was like some last year or before. something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you use Tannerite as a <laughs> gender reveal? Yeah. Well, there was a gender reveal party recently. I think in California where they used explosive and it killed one of the parents. Seriously? Like there was some, expl- yeah. I, it, oh so, my God. well, anyways, what for our first two, I think we just, we found out and kind of announced on Facebook or something for the third, he kind of came after the gender reveal thing became a thing. And so we just, we took the, the stuff, we went to a cake company they make bunt cakes. And so they, they hid it's a bunt, a bunt cake, bunt, <laughs> bunt. And they, they put the, the gender thing in the inside of the bunt. And so I remember we, it was just us at home, right? We didn't have anyone else. I think uh, my parents were on a FaceTime call with us or something. And uh, my daughter and my son, we kind of opened up the bunt cake and there inside was some some blue stuff and whatever. And I remember uh, my son, my middle one, he was just kind of like, uh, cake. And my daughter, just this, just disappointment just washed over her oh, as she boy. realized she was not having a sister. <laughs> She's just like. So your parents just watched you guys eat cake. That was your gender yeah. reveal. That's awesome. And then, and then what we did at work is we we basically said, you know, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And we already knew at that point. And then like, it's a boy. I'm like, why did we do this? This was a waste of my time and everyone else's time. We could have just said it's a boy. 
One thing I love about you, Eric, is you're a, you're a lover of fanfare and celebration. So you really go all out. All right. Well, it, here's a fun fact for Jake. Uh, when the doctor did uh, the little x-ray or whatever to see what, if I was a boy or a girl, uh, he thought I was a girl. So my mom and dad. Well, if he had done a sonogram, maybe he would have found. Yeah, they shouldn't have x-rayed my mom. That's other problems. But um, yeah, so when uh, my mom and dad spent months trying to find a name for me and out came a boy. Uh, so he did an everything. x-ray. You have a cavity. Yeah. Did an x-ray. Your femur's broken. Sorry. You're also pregnant. So congratulations. Um, anyway, there you go. All right. Uh, do you guys want to get into this? Family yeah, vacations? Jump in. So I have no real organization other than the idea of talking about, um, you know, family vacations I had when I was a kid. Um, I have a few that I remember and uh, that were really notable. And um, or if you have uh, a family vacation that you've done with your kids. And I think and. We don't have to leave it to just family vacations. I mean, there's, you know, other vacations you did with your friends or trips you did or, or anything like that. But um, yeah, I want to start with family vacations. I can kick us off if you want. Does that work? Please. All right. Uh, so the first one is my first vacation, or at least the first one I remember. Uh, I was about six years old and um, I was living with my mom and my grandma and grandpa had helped kind of take care of me when my mom was at work. And so when I was six, we flew me, my mom and my grandma flew to Florida and we went to Disney world. So this is probably 87, 88. And, um, you know, it was what the happiest place on earth. We went to Epcot center, all that, but there's a few things that happened on this trip. Things that I remember, um, that I think will be with me forever. The first one was, we got to the hotel and I don't know if it was the first day or the second day, but we got to the hotel and I was in the hotel room with my mom and my grandma and my mom and my grandma like left to go get ice from the ice machine or went down to the vending machines. I don't know what it was, but when they were gone, I decided to leave the hotel room and I just started wandering around the hotel and I couldn't find my way back to my room. So I got lost in the hotel and, uh, Eventually, my mom and same grandma thing happened to you at your wedding. Yeah, I have a <laughs> I have a habit of getting lost in hotels. They're all all the rooms. Um, and so my mom and grandma get back to the room. And obviously, I'm not there. So they're freaking out. So they call security and I'm crying like in the middle of a hallway next to the vending machine and uh, can't find my room. And eventually, I think it was like. Uh, uh, a uh, lady who does the housekeeping or the cleaning found me and then they helped reunite me with my mom. But that was my opening salvo into my Disney vacation. Uh, and then the next two things that stuck out, well, one, I met Pluto. So that was a big deal. He was my favorite Disney character back in the day. Um, but then we went to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, which was like this raft that you're on and you saw like the animatronic pirates. This is before the movies came out and what the movies are based on. And we were on the raft and it was way too packed and it started sinking while we were going through the ride. And it's like water's like pouring over and like, this is not supposed to happen. Um, 
And it got it's not real. Like it was the first day it was open. This is amazing. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, then the gator came out and snatched one of us. No, but like it was legit scary. And I didn't know to be scared until I saw all the other adults being real nervous. And then I got scared because I was just a stupid six year old. Um, so that's thing number two from Disney. And then my third event from Disney was Space Mountain, which was the big roller coaster ride at Disney. And I was like, I want to go on this. I want to do this, mom. And so we went to the thing, measured to see if I was tall enough. I was. And so we got in the line and it was like a two hour line. And she's like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And so we're getting closer. And then there's this moment and it literally is like, you cannot turn back after you pass this red line. Like there is no turning back. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, let's do this. And then we go back. The second I cross that line, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, <laughs> like, you don't have a choice now. Like, and so we're, she's like, I'm like, I'm bawling as we're getting closer and closer. And I'm seeing people and disappear into the darkness. It's just like, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, you got to do it now. And she forced me on down, came the bar and held me in. And I just screamed and cried the whole time. And, uh, and I got done. I was sobbing and take a picture. I'm like snots coming down my face. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. But and so maybe that's why I'm a little partial against Disney. Like people are like, let's go to Disney. It's awesome. Maybe I have this 30 year old trauma from the first time I went. I'm like, nah, Disney can't be that good. Yeah, you're still not ready to forgive. <laughs> so, but that was my first, my first vacation. And I, remember it almost as if it were yesterday because of those really three not ideal events. So I was, I didn't have this written down for one of my stories, but you made me think of uh, going back to earliest memories. And um, my dad lived in Colorado and I lived in California, but I would go to Colorado a lot during the winter and dad skied a lot. So we would go up and go skiing and we were up skiing this one year and um but, you know, my dad would put me in ski school and at the end of ski school, they would kind of hang on to the kids in this sort of quasi daycare thing until the parents came and picked them up. And I had a uh, I had a pair of overalls on and your know, overalls have those snaps where the shoulders come down oh, to yeah. the snap button and they're relatively unique to the best of my knowledge. Those only exist in a pair of overalls. Nowhere else in my yeah. wardrobe or life do those exist. Well, as a five year old, they were hopelessly challenging so i'm there i got a number two coming up and I, I go to the bathroom and i'm i'm really trying my darndest to get these things undone i can't do it i fill my pants i just go back to the daycare center and i just lay down in the middle of the room <laughs> and to hear my dad tell the story years later he's like i get back there's all these kids losing their mind, running around this room going crazy, and you're just laying there. And I come in, and he's like, he's like, son, what's going on? Are you okay? You're like, I'm okay. We ready to go? So, yeah, we're ready to go. Okay, so we get out of there. <laughs> we get in there. So now we're in the car, and we're heading home from probably Loveland, Colorado, or somewhere in Summit County. And it's about a two-hour drive to get back down to where dad lives. And the heater's on, and Ooh. everybody in the car starting like... <laughs> You smell something? Does uh, does anybody smell anything? I'm like, nope. I'm just I'm just gonna I'm gonna deny it until I read it in the paper. I had no idea what smell. I don't smell anything. 
of course it becomes apparent really quick what's happened. I've got, you know, a hot mess in my, my overalls that I can't get off. And, and, you know, and then there's this final, this final image of my, my stepmother. She's got my underwear on a stick and she's holding it in the toilet instead of just throwing it away. Throw, it's a one pair of underwear. Get rid of it. She's got it on a stick in the toilet. She's just flushing the toilet, but holding the underwear on the stick so it doesn't go down the toilet. And that was how she tried to deal with it until my dad came in. He's like, hey, just throw it away. We can, we can lose buy more underwear. underwear here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's oddly enough, that is one of my earliest memories is, uh, yeah, in a I hot love car it. with a hot load in my pants. I love it that you just committed to the lie. You just believed it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that was Sorry. my MO until, until well into my 30s. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, awesome. I'm just sticking with it. Yeah. Eric? Yeah. So I, a lot of my family vacations had to do with <clears throat> going to either New York, where my dad is from, Orange County, New York, or outside of Minneapolis, where my mom is from. Again, both from small towns, uh, agricultural areas. Uh, my dad grew up on a farm. Uh, my mom grew up in this town called Waverly that basically is just the houses around a lake named Waverly. Um, so it was either going out to the country in New York uh, and, and hanging out with my grandparents or going to Minnesota. And in Minnesota, we'd go out to this, uh, this cabin that was in the family. And it was a kind of cabin, cabin that would, you know, a nice log cabin right on the lake, but there was no toilet inside, right? This was an old cabin. Jake, you kind of know, the type. Uh, so there's an outhouse, right? And so I'd go out to this outhouse. And I remember, again, this was when I was four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and go out to the outhouse and you'd shut the door and there was enough light coming in, but there was this, this article on the back of the door that talked about this monster that lived underneath you in the, in the outhouse. And how, you know, last year, four children were lost going to the outhouse. <laughs> and thinking back on it, I'm like, why would you put that in an outhouse? I get that it's humor. I get, But there's a lot of kids in this family. They're six, seven, eight years old or younger. They can read. I, uh, even, even when I went out there, like most recently, I think, what was that? Eight or nine years ago. Um, uh, probably about seven years ago, actually going out to that outhouse. I just was uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, this creeps me out. Just thinking that there's something down there that is going to come right up and grab me and, and pull me down. But my uncle also had a house down the way on the lake and he would take us fishing. And for the longest time, he kept calling me rookie. And I got really irritated by this. And I, and I was walking back and, and my mom says, how was, how was fishing with your uncle today? I said, it was terrible. It was awful. She said, why? He kept calling me names. Well, what do you call you? Rookie. I don't want him calling me rookie anymore. She says, do you know what rookie is? I'm like, no, I don't like it. Well, it's somebody who's new at something. And, you know, then the embarrassment sets in, right? Like, oh, I was so dumb. I didn't know this word. And yeah. Um, but, you know, we go out in the lake and then you, you catch some fish, you catch some small fish, and then you take them and you smack their heads on a rock and then you 
slice them up and it's good eating, but not the kind of life for me, a city boy. So, but those are my earliest memories of going out to these places out in the country and seeing wildlife and deer and going fishing and being on a lake and all that kind of stuff. You go in the lake, you come out and there'd be leeches on your legs and I panic and freak out. Um, you know, good stuff like that. Yeah. The terrors of childhood. Yeah, it's rough stuff. Jake, did you grow up in a yurt in the woods with no toilet indoors? Because Eric just totally assumed like, like <laughs> this place had no indoor plumbing. Jake, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, we get it. We get it. Yeah, we uh, had to heat the house with the cattle dung. You know, I mean, we did what we did to survive, but. I was referring to your cabin. So, I oh, I know. And that rustic is being generous with that thing. Um, although it's it's funny so today my we took our kids to antelope island which is in the middle of the salt lake there's a causeway drive over to get to and ironically very few antelope tons of bison so the naming they got to work on that but we walked up to this homestead this old ruins of a homestead and they have these signs and explaining like how they lived and like since just like my daughter she's like where is the house (laughs) like and where would you put the food and we had to explain they give you everything by hand and there's all these bison piles of poop and we go and sometimes when there aren't trees like on this island you would have to burn animal poop to to heat the house and she goes that's disgusting like it is disgusting but that's what you got to do to survive sometimes so um they didn't have many options in the 1890s the west was one sweetheart yeah awesome trip though totally it was a great day trip um Really cool. So that was uh, another thing we did this weekend. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you actually gave your first family vacation because you kind of got sidetracked with the the overalls or that that yeah, was no. a vacation. That was, just a, day, that was, was a, day a vacation. Um, the, the first one that comes up for me being a dad, uh, my my youngest daughter, she uh, for her 16th birthday, she wanted to go on a backpacking trip. And that was awesome. I love backpacking. So we decided to fly out to Portland and go up to uh, Columbia River Gorge and go on a four day backpacking trip out there. And and it was great. and It was awesome. But uh, the loop that we chose started off on an area that was fairly busy and a lot of people. And then quickly we got back into we didn't see anybody. So we're a day and a half back into this uh, trip. We haven't seen anybody for 24 hours. It's just me and Lil, and we're out there in the middle of nowhere. And we had just completed this arduous switchback up this pretty steep grade on an abandoned or poorly maintained trail. And uh, so anyhow, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're both a little stressed out, but anyhow, we just had a, 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 a sit down and we're moving along again. And we're going through the woods, these eerily quiet woods. And we're going along, we're on, we're back on a good trail now. And right in the middle of the trail is half of a rabbit. Hmm. <laughs> just, just half a rabbit, just laying there. And it's, it's bison. It's not like, you know, down the, the, the long way, but I've got, I've got the back half of a rabbit <laughs> just on the trail. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, What's going on? Like, what is this? That's how movies What's, start. What? Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I turn around to Lily, like, just, 
And I'm like, I'm scanning the trees and I'm like looking, I don't know if there's a guy with a ski mask out there or the Russians or what's going on. So <laughs> Russians are known for cutting <laughs> rabbits in half. That's their MO. Hoffman. They get those gullible Americans anything. every time. <laughs> so I don't see anything and I just start going like, hello! <laughs> hello! I like how you, I just say, I like how you go immediately from be quiet. Don't let anyone know we're here to screaming as loud as you can. (laughs) It's um, yeah, I'm drinking from a fire hose on this one. I, there, I have no playbook to go from. So I turn around and look at Lily and she's like, like, what are we doing? And I'm like, I'm like, come up here. And she comes up and I was like, it's like half a rabbit. And she's like, why is there half a rabbit here? It's like, I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. I don't know what's going on. I mean, so kind of anticlimactic end of the story. I think some animal ate a part of that rabbit, left the rest of it, couldn't finish it or something. And it just, by some insane coincidence, happened to be on this, right in the middle of this trail. But it was it was pretty upsetting. It spooked me pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, we we camped out and we, we didn't get murdered, but... Uh, uh, on that trip, I, I planned it where we were going to take an Uber from Portland up to the uh, up to the trailhead. And it was about memory serves about 20, 25 miles. And then on the way back, I go to get an Uber and it's like, like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Uber's like, you know, hey, nice try. Good work on that. So it was like, what are we going to do? I was like, we're going to hitchhike. It's like, I'm sorry, we're, we're what? <laughs> we're going to hitchhike. She says, I don't think that's safe. I go, I've done it a ton. I agree. Probably not safe. I'm with you. Let's just go for it. She's like, all right. We're hitchhiking. I got the thumb out about five minutes. This couple pulls over, picks us up. We smell like the worst kind of four-day, no-shower, intense BO smell. We're in their car. Um, they're asking us all these questions. And we're answering the questions. And, and the woman finally goes, I made my husband pick you guys up because I thought that your daughter was in trouble. So the only reason they picked us up was they thought that I had kidnapped this little girl and she had no idea what was going on. But anyhow. And the best way to commit a kidnapping is to hitchhike immediately after. (laughs) Her lack of logic was, was my gain because we got a ride straight to our hotel in Portland and it was beautiful. So that's awesome. um, Yeah. Dead rabbit first hitchhiking trip. And knowing Lillian, she's probably gone like, ah, hitchhiking safe and hitchhiked a hundred times since then, which is, it's completely not safe, especially for single women. But yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a, a good one from mine and Lillian's past. That's awesome. There makes me, I've, this is going off topic. I've picked up some hitchhikers um, back in my twenties Several times I would see somebody hitchhiking. Like I was on my way to a buddy's cabin um, in Three Lakes, Wisconsin, and I saw somebody walking and it was about to rain. I'm like, let's get you to where you need to go quicker. Um, and I picked up some other guys. And I'll tell you what, every single one of them I've picked up is it's always been a colorful story. And it's always been really, really interesting. Probably one of the best conversations you can have, um, assuming, you know, that they're not crazy, but um yeah, picking up hitchhikers has been really fun. I've never done it myself, but uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I can't believe, I think I remember you telling us that 
after the trip that you did, but I'd totally forgotten about it. Yeah, no, yeah, this it, it comes down to the and you know, a four-day trip. I have some other memories, but the half a rabbit and the hitchhacking, they they definitely stick out. So yeah. I feel like getting a guest on the co- podcast would be kind of like picking up a hitchhiker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. So you know, Eric and I for guests. Eric and I had a short-lived uh, college radio show, and uh, <laughs> one of our like several episodes we did. Uh, some random caller came on, and he just started talking to us for thirty minutes, and he was clearly on some sort of substance because he wasn't making any sense. And Eric and I were too new and awkward to know what to say. So we just let him keep talking. And then I think he eventually asked us to like order pizza and like he wanted to come down and hang out and we're like, no, we got to get going, but thanks for the call. And then Eric's (laughs) wife calls us, calls in to the show. And she's like, you guys need to stop now. (laughs) This is over. Come on. (laughs) It was awesome. You're done. You're you're just done. Just stop. Just stop. (laughs) So. All right. Uh, who's next? So I have a, I guess I have a, my question here. I'll just pose this to everybody. Uh, is what's the worst injury you've sustained on a vacation or a trip? And so while I let you think about that, and to, to those of you that know me, this is not going to come as any shock or surprise. But while skiing in Jackson Hole, and I must have been 11 at the time, um, I've been having a great time all week. I think it was like the third or fourth day. It was Thursday or something. Uh, We had done the the ski school. When you said ski school, Jeff, I was just like thinking back to, we used to do a lot of ski trips as a family. And I remember the ski school thing, right? Like mom and dad are going to go have fun. You have fun on this basically flat level plane of snow you know, don't get hurt. We'll be back in five hours because we're going to go enjoy ourselves. So <clears throat> I, had, we had done this ski school, but I was old enough where it was like, you just do the one day and then you guys can go hit some of the blues or whatever. <clears throat> so we were doing all these, these runs. And I remember uh, Jackson hole from, again, this is like almost 30 years ago. Uh, we took a, kind of one of the first slopes up and coming down, there was this, this area between these two stands of trees, right? They had their main slope coming down, one off to the side. We kept going off to the side because they had two like big moguls. Um, I think they're more like jumps, but we kept hitting these. We're having so much fun hitting these jumps. And this last time I just, whatever happened, I hit this mogul. My skis went up too high. I leaned back too far. And I just landed flat on my back and it hurt. It hurt so bad that my, my friend, uh, Trace, he was with me. He, I'm like, you got to go get somebody. Cause I don't think I can move. And he, and I was probably just being dramatic, but he skied off and got help. And they came up with the snowmobile and put me on the thing and dragged me back down, had a doctor check me out. And I had to take the next day off from skiing just cause my back was all bruised up. And therefore, from that point on is I think where a lot of my back issues kind of started, but um, it's probably the worst injury that I've remember sustaining on a trip. I'm just curious. What are yours? I, I mean, I, I 
honestly, I was thinking I've, I've hurt myself. I've hurt myself pretty severely, but I don't know if I've ever hurt myself on vacation. I'm really trying to remember. And I, I just can't think of an instance where, and like, I've done a lot of camping and stuff. So like you might get a cut or a burn from the campfire or something like that, but I can't think of anything where I was like hurt unless we talk about your stud party and then the hangover that was painful, but that's more of a self-inflicted wound and not an accident. I'm not worried so much about the, the hangover is, you know, that, that Mogion. Mogion mess. Mogion yeah. mess. Yeah. That so, thing was a hefty, hefty meal. A, it was a solid breakfast. Whew. You know, a story that comes to mind for me, I was, uh, I, I didn't actually get hurt on this, but I did almost die. It was really close. I, uh, I went to go visit Bulgaria with my grandfather. This would have been about 1995 and went over there and, um, and you know, he, he funded the whole trip and we were there for six weeks. And while I was wow. there, I was, uh, yeah, it was a long trip. And I was, I was seeing this girl while I was over there and she was wildly entertaining and a lot of fun and liked to go to discos and all this. And um, also this other guy that I knew named Peter who was kind of the, my, my, my conscience and he, he would try to keep me out of trouble. So anyhow, one night we're at this disco and this girl, Desi says, well, I want to go to the hovercraft disco down on the water. So I go, okay. So I go tell Peter like, Hey, let's go down to the hovercraft disco down in the water. And Peter goes, don't go down there. It's super dangerous and you shouldn't be there. So I go, okay. So I tell Desi like, Hey, Peter says it's really dangerous down there and we shouldn't go. And she says, well, Peter's being a baby. And that was good enough for me. So cut to we are walking flawless, down to this. Flawless uh, Bulgarian accent, by the way. Can we hear that again? <laughs> well, Peter's being a baby. We so. go to the discotheque now. Yeah, man. Okay. Man, we make many dancing. <laughs> many I like, dances. I also like the fact that in the United States, nobody goes to a disco ever that I know of. They're, they're bars club, and dance club. clubs, but... You go dancing, but right? But to a disco. everywhere else, it's a you're at the discotheque or the disco. Right. Continue because I think yeah. it's about to get Liam Neeson taken. So I'm really excited. <laughs> pretty awesome. So yeah, so we're going out of this disco. So it's this it's this hovercraft that's raised up out of the water and it's down on the Danube. And the Danube floods all the time in Bulgaria and their neighbor Romania, poor countries. And so the lights are all out down there. We we get down there and uh, we get to this discotheque and it's going off up in this boat that's lifted up out of the water. And uh, so we go, we, we walk up the stairs and we get to the top of the stairs. Oh, and here's a little side note to the story. For some reason that to this day, I can't remember. My passport is in my backpack, American passport in my backpack, 95. There's that little tidbit. So we get to the top of the stairs and I don't speak much Bulgarian at all. I didn't then, I don't now. And we get up there and there's some, they're going back and forth and boom, this guy puts his hand on my chest. There's more arguing between Desi and these guys. She turns around and goes, just, just go down the stairs and wait here. I'll be back out in a minute. I should have, I should have left. I mean, right. What's this red flag number six at this point. Yeah. So I go down the stairs and there's these guys down at the bottom and uh, they speak about as much English as I speak Bulgarian. But one word that they knew from the Kevin Costner movie is bodyguard. And they end up telling me that you shouldn't be here. This is dangerous, but it's okay because we'll be your bodyguard. Oh, well, that's nice. 
They're volunteering and everything. Yeah. Right about this time, Desi comes back out the front door. Jeff, come back up, come back up. I come up. As I walk past the guy who put his hand in my chest, I just get the the stink eye. He's just looking at me like this as I go in. Go in there. Oh, these guys were my bodyguards to come in with me. They sit down next to me. The one guy goes, all right, we'll hold your backpack. I give my backpack. He's got it on his lap. He's hunched over this thing like it's got the Mona Lisa in it. And so this boat, like the, the dance floor is in the middle of the boat. And then the bow of the boat, there's two chairs. And then behind that, there's one more chair. Like as the boat comes to a point and the guy in the, the chair at the point, every now and again, leans forward. He whispers something to one of the other two guys. And he goes up, goes off and does his bidding. I don't know what's going on, but this happens all night long. So, you know, we're in there dancing and having fun. And uh, so it's time to go. We go down the stairs. I've got my backpack back. Um, I've got my arm around this girl, Desi, and we're walking down. And I've, I've got my bodyguards with us. And out of nowhere, all I hear is footsteps behind me. And boom, someone jumps on my back. And boom, I'm down on the ground. And somebody's on top of that guy. And I'm like, God bless it, man. These guys, these are my bodyguards. I should have seen this coming. All right. My only option here is that I'm going to, I'm going to flip out. I'm going to lose it. I'm just, I'm going to go spider monkey monkey (laughs) on this whole thing. And right as I'm about to enact my spider monkey plan, I hear a gun cock and (laughs) completely chills me out. Spider monkey plan abandoned. I'm, about to fill my plan B my last go story. boneless yeah <laughs> just your coveralls there. on <laughs> I'm just I'm face down on the ground like man th- this is it this is the end of the road I've had a good run this is great and now I hear this like arguing like I keep waiting for someone to say something to me but I hear all this arguing in Bulgarian I get up and I turn around and my bodyguards are the ones with the gun they have the two other guys from the disco are now on their knees with their hands behind their head. This guy's got a gun right in my body or my bodyguard's got a gun in this other guy's face. They're yelling back and forth at each other. The guy on the ground spits at the guy with the gun. The guy with the gun kicks this guy in the chest. Desi turns to me and she goes, run. <laughs> Gone. I'm like, the I, I run, you gotta get up the hill to get up to the Sophia. And I'm running and run as fast as I can. I've never run that far, that fast in my entire life. So I get up there and I go into like this, the one safe place I can think of. The place we're staying is too far away. So I go into the lobby of the Hilton Hotel. And I get in there and it's gone from all this insane Russian, Eastern European mafia drama to I'm in this sensibly lit lobby and CNN is going on in the corner and la 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 there's some nice elevator music going on the lady at the front desk is like hello 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 the way <laughs> they say hello in other countries and I and nothing happens I sit there for two hours watching CNN and I just finally decide that's You're waiting it. for the news to break on CNN yeah, waiting for a tank to come in the window or assassins to drop in into the lobby and nothing ever happens. So anyway, I finally call a cab, takes me back to where grandpa and I are staying. And, uh, and you know, later on, I would be at, at night in Sofia, everybody would come out. It was, I'm sorry, it wasn't Sofia, it was Ruse. And uh, so in Ruse, everybody would come out to the main boulevard and they'd all be at the, uh, at the cafes and whatnot. 
And there was the cafe where all the uh, all the mobster guys hung out. And man, they would they would lock eyes on me walking by. But that was it. I never heard anything else from them. So that was as close as I ever got uh, to being seriously injured on a uh, on on a vacation. But it was really close, and it was super gnarly. Did uh, did your friend Desi ever explain anything to you? I don't remember. That was 1995. I, uh, I've slept a lot since then. So I don't remember. I just, you know, she was cute and fun and we continued to, you know, see each other while I was there. And then I left and that was it. But, uh, the, the, the best part about the story is I, I never got a beating from the Eastern European so, or Russian mafia. So your bodyguards actually guarded your body. Like I was, <laughs> that's the big twist is that, they were men of their word. Like they took care of you. And I and I never saw those two dudes again. I and owe them this enormous debt of grace. And what kind of what what did they get in the middle of? For free. They're, they did that yeah, for nothing. For free. Oh, they were well, probably I, US I, Marines or something, CIA operatives. Yeah. They were there like, don't let an American die on our watch. Just, yeah. just stick with him, would you? Did you pay them or did they just do this out of the kind? Like honestly, I I no, know, we paid honestly, them with our tax dollars. At the okay, bottom of the Eric. stairs, when I was down there chatting with them, I was smoking. I was smoking while I was over there, and and I gave them cigarettes. So I gave them some Marlboro cigarettes, and they're like, they they liked me. So honestly, for the price of two or four cigarettes, these guys literally saved my life. And got, and, and I wonder to this day, like, what did those guys have to put up? Were there any repercussions to them for their actions? I don't know, but wow, yeah, that's that's I one of many watch stories this in my movie. life. Yeah, like what makes this uh, life that makes me believe in, a, in in God watching out for drunks yeah. and fools, and I don't drink, so that's amazing. Okay, well that ends our show tonight. We don't need to talk about any <laughs> other vacations after that one. I don't. Where do we continue from here? Should have saved yeah. that question for the end. I saw Mount Rushmore. That was cool. Um, <laughs> I've been to Japan. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was that was gonna be one of my questions. It's how what's the furthest you've been on a vacation or a trip? Uh for well, I'll start because it's the least traveled. Um, I've only ever been to out of the country twice, uh, both times to Mexico. Uh first time was when I was in high school, uh my Spanish class uh went to Mexico and it was awesome. It was a great trip. I mean, we flew into Mexico City, um and we saw some, you know, saw the sites there. We saw the some of the ruins there. And then we went down towards the Yucatan on the way. We saw the Mayan temple and the temple of the sun and the moon. Uh, we saw that basketball court, right, where the the losers would get their heads chopped off and would be used as a ball to put through. the like Staples a, Center? Is that that? Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was in southern Mexico. Um, you've heard uh, of that, right? Uh, the, the ball game? Pock to Pock. Right? Is that what it's called? Pock to Pock, I think. Okay. I, I'll believe you. I don't remember what the name I of the think game that's... was. I just remember, but I was on that court. Like it was really kind of, it's a, the whole city is really cool. Um, and then we, we finished the trip down in uh, Cancun. Uh, second time I went to Mexico was for uh, ill-advised triathlon with Jeff and some other friends. So I will never do that again because... God help me. I am not built for long distance swimming, biking, or running, and definitely not all three put together. 
And you know what, from your perspective, I don't know if you remember, but my favorite part of that whole triathlon, in fact, from any triathlon we did down there was we're all done and we're on the beach and they're all out of the free beer, but they're, they're, and they're starting to break down the course. And we're looking around like, there's Cameron, there's Seola, there's, uh, where's Jake? Has anybody seen Jake? And someone's like, Steve's like, I think he's still out there. And, uh, so I go up the girls breaking everything down. I go, there's still a guy in the course. She goes, no, there isn't. I go, I, I think there is. You should check. She's like, oh my God. So they literally, she comes back. They start reinflating the big thing for Jake to come through at the end. He stumbles across the finish line like, like he's just fell out of the spaceship. Like he got abducted a week ago and they just let him loose again. The best like, part is, well, one of the best parts is that you sent Steve to go get me like a, like a retriever, like Steve, go find him. And I was stumbling across a golf course, half dead. Steve, you comes know brother, like you, a, came in, you came in dead last and man, number one in my book. That was awesome. <laughs> and the, the, the metal, the beer can opener metal looks the exact same as everyone else's. So yeah, it was awesome. It was a great That's trip. Right. That was but, fun. Yeah. That those are the only, only two times I've been out of countries and both were in Mexico. So as close as I've been to Canada, living in Wisconsin, I never went up there. How about you, Eric? Well, I've been to England and Ireland and Japan. And this question occurred to me, what's the furthest I had been? So I, I said London and Tokyo. Uh, London is 5,383 miles from me. Tokyo is 5,393 miles from me right now. Um, but uh, I went to I went to Japan when I was uh, right after I graduated high school. And uh, I don't think I've been to a place as it was pretty exotic to be in an Asian country. Uh, and I was there for about 10 days. And I was with a bunch of other kids. Most of them were younger than me uh, from my my church and school. So we were over there for 10 days. Um, I think the, the everything pales in comparison to the Bulgaria story at this point. But we went out into a park with a bunch of these kids from the, the school that we were visiting. So they're all like high school age kids. A bunch of boys, basically. It was all the boys that went on this particular night out. We go and they they sell fireworks, you know, on the street corner. We're all from Arizona. Nobody sells fireworks ever, right? Uh, not 1999. So we grabbed a bunch of fireworks and we go to this park. But it's not like a park like open fields. It's a park that's like a, it's got some water features, a bunch of palm trees. And some of these boys... Uh, from the school there in Japan started shooting Roman candles at each other. And then they hit the palm tree and it lights the palm tree on fire. And this, like I said, this is in the middle of the park. So there's high rises in every direction and there's a palm tree just burning in the middle of these buildings. Right. And all the lights flickering off the buildings. So me and my two American friends decide uh, in our very American way, we are going to book it and get out of there because we're not taking responsibility for this. These young Japanese boys knowing that, uh, hey, we're all in this together. This is our society. We're going to be cooperative. Decide, let's fill these plastic grocery bags with water from the pond and throw it 
on top of this palm tree. Solid plan. And we successfully put that fire out. Well, you didn't. No, I didn't. That's true. Okay. I, <laughs> I think I took one toss at it. Once I realized I should stick around and help, but fire department never showed up. I was certain I was getting sent back to the United States with a one-way ticket that my parents were going to have to pay for immediately. And I was terrified of that. That was going to be a very bad moment for me. And it did not happen. So, okay. What happens when you set trees on fire in other countries, Eric? They don't take don't, kindly to such shenanigans. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get caned. I'm going to get 40 lashings or something. Yeah, I've seen Midnight Express. I know how this is. <laughs> but it was all good in the end. We put the fire out. Is uh, Bulgaria the farthest you've ever been afield? Yeah. Um, I just did a little math to see if it was Papua New Guinea or South Africa. I think South Africa is the furthest at uh, 10,100 miles from LAX. So went down there, went, uh, went hunting with Clifford. Um, doing anything with Cliff internationally is fantastic. I cannot recommend it highly enough. That's a whole other podcast. But yeah, South Africa, I mean, it's a it's what a 14 hour flight to Heathrow and then another 14 hour flight down to Johannesburg. So that's, that's the furthest I've been by far. Okay. All right. Um, let's, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't want to What's do this, the best but... food you've had while traveling. You know, I was afraid you're going to ask me this question okay. and the best food I've ever had was not traveling, but was with Jeff at Maestro's. So I can't think of any food that compares, but I will say this, a food related story. Um, when I was about 10, maybe 11, uh, me and my dad and uh, my stepmom went to visit my stepmom's brother in Colorado in Denver in the winter. And we went there skiing. And uh, I think one of the places we went to is Winter Park. Um, and another one might have been Cascade Mountain or something like that. But um, and I had skied before in Wisconsin, but there's Wisconsin skiing and Colorado skiing are two different leagues um, in in what they define as easy, difficult or, or otherwise. And it was awesome. It was a great trip. And I remember one time we were at one of the nights we were at um an Italian restaurant. And it may have been the spaghetti factory. Like, honestly, it might've just been one of those chains. I don't know. It was really good, but I do remember, um, we were there and we were eating dinner with her brother and her brother's wife. And it was all fancy and nice. And all of a sudden I go to my dad, I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom now. And he's like, uh, okay. And so he starts taking me to the bathroom and as halfway to the bathroom, I just, void my contents of my stomach all over the floor of the spaghetti factory and then i hightail it into the bathroom in shame for the next 36 minutes and it was awful apparently that's how i found out what altitude sickness was because i was fine i was skiing the whole day i felt great and then all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks and out came everything but before that eric the food was fantastic so it's good and then also side note I saw a Packers game in Denver while I was there and it was Don, the magic man, Mikowski versus John Elway in the orange crush. Um, and this was before they'd done the, the new design. And what, so was it was it still, snowing profusely. It was so cold and it was so snowy 
and the Packers too. Yeah. might have. Were you? Oh, yeah. I should have said hi. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I think the Packers maybe scored seven points. They were terrible. And no, I in fact I think Denver was up 14-0 before they even had a snap on offense. There was some weird stuff that happened, like Denver scored a special teams touchdown and then a defensive touchdown. And so yeah. it was over early. Yeah. Yeah, but it was awesome. I think it was my first professional game that wasn't a preseason game that I'd ever seen. It was in Denver. It was awesome. Right it was on. a great trip overall. I've never been uh Aside from getting sick, it was probably my favorite vacations ever. Right on. Um, easily for me, my best best meal traveling was uh, we took a family trip down to Belize and went out to Ambergris Key. And this guy took us out to go uh, like spear fishing and fishing for stuff. And we he be speared I don't know a couple of barracuda and a couple of lobsters. And then he drove us up the key in the boat, maybe, I don't know, 10 miles or so and pulled us over to this place where there were hammocks and like half of an oil drum opened up with a grate and they cooked all this fish on the open fire. And his wife had made these homemade tortillas and they climbed up in the trees and got coconuts and cracked them open and and loaded them up with brown sugar and put them on the grill. And anyhow, that stands out as arguably one of the best meals of my life. That was wonderful. No, I'm really hungry. <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm starving now. Eric, what about you? So I, you know, when I was in Japan, I really enjoyed eating, uh, having the sushi there. Um, I like their little fast food style sushi, right? It's on like boats or little conveyor belts. And you've seen some of that in the United States, but, and it was just so easy and quick. And it's, it's not like a, a novelty there, right? It's just, it was good. You could have as much as you wanted. You paid by the plate. It was fantastic. That was good, and I enjoyed it. Um, not my favorite meal. I've been to Ireland. I've had Irish stew, like lamb stew. Absolutely fantastic. Still not my favorite meal. For some reason, the meal that sticks out to me the most is when I was in London, and this was in 1998. I was 16 at the time, and I wasn't with my family. I was with another family. So we were staying uh, in a hotel in London down the street from Buckingham Palace. Like We could walk to Buckingham Palace from there. And we went to this restaurant um, within walking distance. Remember, it was a steakhouse. So I have I've been to, um, and I think it's closed now. The steakhouse that's in that was on uh, Mill Avenue in Tempe. Uh, Mondi's, La, yeah, La Casa Vieja, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've been there before, and I've I've had steak, but the first time I remember like ever ordering a steak was in London, and it was in this restaurant. I remember, I'm looking through the menu, and I see on the list, a steak, and it's called the Arizona steak. I'm like, okay, what is this? So I look at it and I, and I, I'm just like, well, I'm going to have that. Like, I want to see what they think of Arizona steak. So they bring this steak out and they're like, do you want blue cheese with that? And I'm like, blue, that's disgusting. Blue cheese is awful. (laughs) It's mold. Like it's got, it's blue that it's no. And uh, my uncle, not not a real uncle, but like my godfather, he's there and he's like, no, no, you want the blue cheese. Give him the blue cheese. I'm like, okay. He says, just put the blue cheese on the steak for him. So they did. So they brought it out and the blue cheese is melting on the steak. And I, and I cut into the steak and it's, 
it's kind of like medium rare, something that I was like, no, I wanted to order it well done. And they told me, no, we're not allowing that. So I take my bite into this, you know, medium rare steak with blue cheese on it. Absolutely loved it. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever tasted. So the next time I was back in Arizona, I went to Monty's and, or when I was back in Arizona, the next time we went to Monty's, I looked in the menu and I'm like, can I get that with blue cheese? It was like somebody from London had been to Monty's and was like putting blue cheese on this stuff from here on out. But it was amazing. It was a great meal. But, and it sounds delicious. I don't know what any of that has to do with Arizona. I have no idea either. Unless for some reason it's like a Monty's thing, which I doubt it is. Yeah. I I don't know what set that aside from the other steaks on their menu. Yeah. I mean, but it does sound, but it stuck in my head and it was a fantastic meal. Okay. Arizona, not really known for its steak or its blue cheese, but here we are. Yeah. It works. So anyways, I'm really hungry right now. Like, yeah. You just want to order pizza or something? Well, after 10, I want to order <laughs> pizza with blue cheese on it. Right. So w- when I was going through this, one of the first stories that I came up with, uh, this is a true dad bod family uh, story. It's a pretty short one, but we took uh, our first cruise together as a family. And it was on Carnival Cruise Lines. And the reason we did that was we heard they were really good for kids. And sure enough, so we get on there and they're like, hey, you want to sign your kids up for daycare? And it seemed like kind of a jerk move to put go on a cruise and put my kids in a daycare. You know, they're going to like be in some like sub room on this boat with a box of broken crayons. <laughs> That's right. Doing nothing down there. And like, like, I don't know, but everybody assured me like, no, the kids have a great time. It's like, all right, we signed them up and put them in there. And uh, anyhow, about the, your son broke off. out, didn't he? <laughs> no, not even close. He, um, so about an hour and a half later, like, look, let's go check on the kids and see how it's going down there. So we go down there and, uh, and and there's nobody in there. The daycare is completely empty except for this one girl who's there. And she says, no, they're out doing stuff on the boat. And she said, uh, you know, depending on which kid you're looking for, I can tell you where they are. So they're like, okay, let's go check up on Jack. And uh, she's like, okay, well, he's uh, he's either doing the scavenger hunt or he's at the behind the scenes thing for the, uh, the, the Broadway style show. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll go check on the Broadway style show. She tells us how to get there. We get in there. Sure enough, Jack is, uh, him and the other kids from his group are back there. And uh, I get in there and Jack is sitting on the lap of a fully decked out showgirl with double D breasts. And he's got his head resting on her breasts and she's twirling his hair like this. And I'm like, uh, like he sees us I'm like, hey, Jack, are you okay? I keep my Jack's about five at this time. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Solid, Dan. Doing <laughs> like, good. Uh, like, all right, well, hey, we just wanted to come check. And he's like, yeah, I said I'm good. Yeah, let's go. Beat it out of here. And so anyhow, uh, the rest of the trip, we didn't really worry about him down in daycare. I think Jack maybe became a man on that trip. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's like, Dad, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm with the ship now. I'm I'm, the sea is my calling. I'm, I'm staying on the cruise. I got a job in the kitchen. Um, yeah. Me and Trixie, we're getting married. <laughs> no, she really likes me. I, I swear. So All Jack right. joined the Navy is that how this sense. story ends. It all tracks. I had not all made that tracks. connection until you said that. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good call. I, I, I don't think she's on his submarine though. <laughs> um, 
So I, I, a family trip that I've done with, with my kids is um, a couple of years ago was, was we um, went and saw, went back to Wisconsin and visited my uncle. And, and during that trip, we actually, he's in Madison and, and we went up to the Dells for a weekend um, with Bree's father and um, his husband or his wife. Um, and so, you know, grandpa, grandpa Tom got to, got to hang out with Langston. And I don't think Marcus was born yet. Um, or if he was, he was, he was just a baby. Um, but we went to the Dells and when I was a kid going to the Dells was the thing we did every summer. One of the trips we did every summer. Cause it's, it's kind of like, and I don't know if this is the best description, but it's kind of like Las Vegas, but for kids, I mean, every block of that place has, um, like there's haunted houses, there's water parks, there's go-karts, there's some roller coasters. I mean, everything in and, and there, like you walk down this little boardwalk and there's like a Ripley's believe it or not. And, um, all of these kind of just family and kid centered things. And so that's what we did. And it was just really fun for me to relive kind of like a part of my childhood with, my new family with my wife and, and our kids. And, and it's something that I want to do more because it was, it was really cool to see my daughter, like, as we did things that she would just light up and she had all this fun and, and, um, you know, and, and to be on the other side of the equation, so to speak, you know, as obviously all the other stories I've told are when I was a kid, but to, to have that experience and, and kind of see her get really excited about those things that I was excited about was, was really special. Um, and so that's probably the, I mean, we've done a lot of other family trips and seen like our relatives and stuff, but that was one of the first ones where we like, we're going to go do this thing specifically for our kids. Um, and it was really, really cool. Yeah. I think we've done the Disneyland thing a few times and <clears throat> we've done a few where we've taken uh, like a full weekend and said, this is dedicated to taking our kids to Disneyland and making it about them and, and doing that. And, um, the most recent time was about two years ago that we did. And we got a hotel across the street. We're going to walk. We, you know, I kind of wanted to splurge and, and do one of the Disney hotels, but we were right across the street. And so, um, you know, we had, we had all three at this time, right. We've got a, a one-year-old, one and a half year old and a, a six-year-old and, uh, Oh, what she'd be a, a seven-year-old at this time and just doing Disney hard for three days, you know, like getting there early, hitting some rides, uh, did California adventure for the first time with the kids and, you know, doing some of the rides that, that I was terrified of doing up until I was a grown adult. Uh, but my daughter going on like, uh, the, uh, the big loop, the, uh, in California adventure, uh, the Incredicoaster, right. We did the cars ride. My son was terrified of that, uh, going on space mountain, uh, having the child just gripping your arm through the whole ride. Like they were going to get lost. We did the Matterhorn with my son and we get, or no, it was with my daughter and, and, you know, the, the bobsleds kind of go and then they stop. And then they kind of take a look and and her seatbelt wasn't going in. And the lady was about to give the thumbs up. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. She's not, this is not, she's not fastened in yet. And she's like, okay, hold up. And made sure she, and I'm like, I, you know, 
thinking as a father, I almost lost my daughter to the Matterhorn that day. Had that not been fixed, you know, all those little things about going on those rides and then just walking around that place as it gets busier and busier and busier. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I can see why some people hate Disneyland because it's so busy. There's so many people, but, um, I just found it was, it was so fun. Like Jake said, I've been there as a child. I've been there as a young adult without children. Now I'm there as a father. It's a whole different show when your kids get to experience it. And Mm -hmm. it's a small world. One of the best rides if you've got kids. Really? Oh, I I remember. Okay. That was another thing. I remember when I was a kid doing the, it's a small world and I thought it was great, but now I'm like, was it that great? Like as a, as a parent sitting in there with my kids again of a certain age and every, every turn you make, it's a whole different region. And you're, you're looking at things, you're seeing things and the kids are, they're finding things that I haven't seen before. They're pointing and it's, that's enjoyable. But they yes, literally the song. sing that song. No, I know. Incessantly. And I know. And it doesn't stop. I understand that. Okay. But the kids enjoy it. And that's a fun ride to enjoy with my kids. Now, I don't think yeah. we'll be able to do it again because by the next time we go, my daughter will be old enough where she'll probably think it's dumb. But seeing them young pointing at, oh, there's Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. There's, you know, what is that? What is that? Just, it's a whole different thing when your kids are interested. So, so when we've been able to do that, it's been a blast. And I remember, I think when you posted this, whatever it was a few years ago, and you posted basically what you said, and you go, I know I've been to Disneyland quite a bit, but watching my kids do it, it was a, it was a whole new experience. Um, and, uh, it really is. And, and I think that's one of the joys of parenthood, so to speak, is to see what was old to you, new to them. And I think mm-hmm. that's been really fun, um, as our kids are growing and discovering stuff with us. So, and so one of the adventures we have coming up soon, Jake, back in November, we, we drove to Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. did some, the dad bod road trip, um, to bring the trailer back. Um, so we have my parents' old pop-up tent trailer that I finally got registered. Yeah. And so now we're hopefully gonna start taking that on camping trips, which is again, something I experienced in that very same trailer as a, as a young man, as a teenager, that we can probably get the kids into and, and start enjoying that, that piece, so. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, what was, uh, like, uh, as you said, with the camping, like a lot of my childhood, we would go camping in the summer. We'd go to the, to the UP in, in Michigan, um, the upper peninsula and go camping up there for like a week or so. And, and then my dad had the Quonset hut, uh, cabin and and we would go up (laughs) there, which was, like I said, rustic is, is a generous term. Um, and and it just, but you know, whereas the Dells or Disney World or the Carnival Cruise, um, those are all like destinations. But one of the trips I remember doing with my dad was um, it was a family reunion, a Ryan's family reunion up at like Wildcat Mountain in like South 
Western Wisconsin. And me and my dad went up there um, by ourselves to meet with the family. We had a little campsite and my dad's like showing me how to build the fire. And he went with the log cabin style, Lincoln logs like, and he built it up like three feet of logs. And then he puts a bunch of lighter fluid onto it, and <laughs> lights it and is just ball of flame shoots up does the whole burns his eyebrows and burns the front of his face. And so he looked like a, like a surprised man the rest of the weekend at the family reunion. <laughs> awesome. One of my favorite moments, cause my dad was like, he was like master of his, of his domain. Like I always had this vision of him as like, he's always in control and he could do anything, but he had these surprised eyebrows for a weekend. And it was just hysterical to me because it was one of the few times where he was caught unawares and it was awesome. So, I don't know, just popped into my head. Yeah, we did a lot of camping too. Uh, tent camping for many years. And then I think my mom just kind of nudged my dad, said, I'm not camping in tents anymore. Get a tent trailer. Yeah. So that we ended up with a tent trailer. And uh, yeah, a lot of like family trips with other families. And I remember all I wanted to do was play with fire. Mm-hmm. Let me start the fire. Let me poke at the fire. I got the fire under control. Yeah. Let me borrow some lighter fluid too, Dad. So. So I've, I've got a story that, that kind of peaks to their speaks to the power of the family vacation. Um, at one point, this would have been a few years after the cruise where, you know, Jack met the, uh, the showgirl back there. Um, <laughs> we had the idea to talk to kids and, uh, Hey, listen, we're, we're going to not do presents anymore and we're going to do a family vacation instead. And the kid's initial reaction was like, whoa, hey, whoa, this is what are you talking about? Like, no Christmas presents. This is insane. Like, all right, fine. Hey, hang on. Listen, let's just do this. Let's talk about the cruise. You remember the cruise? Of course, everybody remembers the cruise. What do you guys remember from the cruise? And, and literally, we sat out in the backyard for an hour, and we're talking about the cruise and going over this and that, and our little shore excursions, and this funny thing happened at dinner, and the cruise was two years old at that point. And uh, it's like, all right, that's great. So at the end of that, like, telling all those stories, I go, okay, now, anybody tell me a present that anybody else got for Christmas last year? And it's just crickets. Like, they're like, hmm. Jack goes, a book. I go, come on. Somebody always gets a book. Like, what book? Who got it? He's like, did you read it? Yeah. He's like, ah, I don't know. So anyhow, amazingly, it, and the kids at that point, like, I think we're like six and nine and, and 13 or something. They willingly and legitimately bought into, okay, we'll, we'll forgo Christmas presents for family vacations instead every year. And that's what we did. So Christmas presents from then on out were we would usually travel during Christmas and we did all kinds of stuff like that. And the kids would get like one gift, but it wasn't the whole like, and you get an Xbox and you get a hoverboard and you get a DVD player. And it wasn't all that stuff. It was, you know, I think uh, the kids would get pajamas and a book or something like that. But yeah, we spent the rest of the money on family vacations and like I, on the way home tonight, I called my daughter and I was I said, hey, I need some more ideas for funny stuff that happened, uh, you know, some more family stories. And it's a 45-minute drive, and she was on the other end of the phone. Part of the time, she couldn't breathe. She's laughing so hard, telling these stories, 
and some of her buddies are there with her. And anyhow, that's that's the power of the family vacation, man. It's really it's a great time and it's a special thing. Well, and it's it's funny because as you guys are talking and you would say different things that you'd experience as kids or as parents. And I, I came into this with like, well, here's the three I want to talk about. And I hit two of them. I didn't talk about one. But as we were going through this, four more popped up. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, and I did this and this and this. And like, I think that's like you said, Jeff, is is vacations and, and not just vacations, but anything where it's like a family event. Those are what sticks with you, right? Like, I remember very few gifts I received as a kid. And they were exceptional gifts. Um, but I remember a whole lot of family vacations. And I think that's what makes it so cool yeah. is, is that those are the memories you can carry on with you. And then as we have had our kids, we try to create those same memories or, or new ones with, with our kids. And it's uh, like, and not to be trite, but it is a gift that keeps giving. Um, I think that's what makes it so cool. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a work it's, it's, it's hard work to do that, mm -hmm. but it's, it, it is so much more worth it. Cause I, I know, uh, how much, how many gifts my kids get for Christmas and things. And I know how many of those things, nobody even knows where they are, what they were. And they're just in piles somewhere. And yeah, but we could talk about our Disney trip. We could talk, we went to a cabin last year and stayed for a weekend. We could have those memories, those things that, yeah, we've still got them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stories, so. you got pictures. It's, it's super valuable. It's, it's family treasure, man. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's a good spot to, to at least wrap up this episode. Um, Jeff, Eric, thanks for, for, Sharon, um, this was a, a really good one. Brought back a lot of good memories for me. And I learned about a whole other Jeff and his seedy Eastern European underlife. And it's awesome. So we'll work on the script for that movie. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Liam Neeson could still pick. He, he could play a, a young Jeff Peterson. If anybody it may have to be based on actual events. <laughs> we have to change a thing or two. But yeah, I, yeah. Let's, let's see what we got. All right, cool. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, starting next month, we're going to do a, a series on the Russo-Japanese War, um, which is something that Eric and I have been researching for a month or two, and it's really fascinating. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, also, like, subscribe, follow. Uh, we hit 100 subscribers on YouTube. We cracked the three-digit mark. It's awesome. I think we're sitting at 103. So thank you, everybody that's joined us recently. And thank you, everybody, Janice that unsubscribed and resubscribed so she could be the 100th subscriber. You know, and, my dad uh, also claimed to be a 100th subscriber. We hit 103 you know, there's times. You know, there's a story, um, you know, the Ice Bowl, the Packers and the Ice Bowl in 1967 against the Cowboys. And there's more people that'll say that they attended that game than there were tickets sold. And I think that's what we had here is a little situation is we have multiple people claiming to be the 100th subscriber. But whoever you are, thank you for subscribing. and. Uh, like, subscribe, follow, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies. Um, thank you very much, and, and we'll see you all next time. See you guys.